Mon nom, c'est Valérie Butters, puis j'habite à Pemberton, Columbia. B... Ah! <laughs> That's an awesome start. My name is Valérie Butters, and I live in Pemberton, British Columbia. Mon nom, c'est Valérie Butters, et j'habite à Pemberton, Columbia, Britannique. In this series on the show, the Valerie series, where I comb through the Emily's, Christine's, Danielle's, Jennifer's, and Michelle's looking for the Valerie's of the world, I rarely come upon women with the same name as mine. And one in Calgary, and she ended up to be a Valora. So this new season is all about Eat, Read, Create, which is the perfect time to not only interview an amazing creator, but her name is also Valerie. Enjoy part one of two over the next couple of days as we get to know this incredible painter, Valerie Butters. Welcome back to Valerie's Variety Podcast with your host, me, Valerie Moss. This show is about eating, reading, and creating. How these three things influence us every day. And the people that make this happen. Isn't it you, or me, or our friends? So, I rarely come upon Valerie's in my personal or business life. And why is there so few of us with this amazing name? We're continuing to get to know the Valerie's of the world. And today's guest, Valerie Butters, is an incredible artist through paint on canvas. I found her at Instagram in my quest to find Valerie's. Valerie Butters is full of expression in her pieces. Think color and vibrance and texture. She's trained under some of the world's prominent contemporary artists, studied in Ottawa and Montreal, receiving scholarships for her artistic work. I'm happy to have her on the show. Welcome, Valerie Butters from Pemberton, British Columbia. Well, thank you so much. That sounds so lovely. Oh, you're welcome. I was just, I'm totally in awe of what you do. I'm very artistic as well, but not with paint on paper. I quilt and scrapbook and reclaim boards and build things, but nothing with paint. So I love it. Well, as long as you're making a mess, that's all that matters. I love you're making a mess. I read a few things like what people say about you. We'll get to that in a minute, but I absolutely love what they said. So you were saying that you you go by Valerie Butters, but are you a Val or a Valerie? Um, I'm really a Valerie. Um, it's yeah, it's one of those things that you kind of stop fighting, mm-hmm. you stop correcting people. But I find that as I um, as my name became part of my brand that a lot of people have uh, abandoned the Val part and just go with the Valerie Butters because that's, you know, what my website says. That's what my Mm -hmm. Instagram 
as. So people kind of get used to reading your name a certain way. And then that's how they end up saying it. You know, like 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. People, you wouldn't even know how somebody's name was spelt. But now the first thing you really get to know is how somebody spells their name. Right. And you're like a first name, last name person now. Yeah, totally. I mean, I right. even had a middle name, so I'm totally a first name, last name person. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a middle name? No, no, no. Oh, I don't. wow. And actually, when I got married, I was going to be like all nice and retro old school and take my husband's last name, mm-hmm. which is McGinney. And, uh, and, and it just didn't work. I mean, it didn't work for several reasons. I, I thought that I could have uh, Valerie Butters as my, my work name and then keep my private life private. But I live in a town of like 3,000 people, and my mother-in-law is a Valerie, <laughs> believe it or oh not. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's German. She's Valtrude, but in Canada, she goes by Valerie. So in our town, that's just one too many Valerie McGinnies. And it just screwed up the post office. It screwed up, you know, the hardware store. So you People tried it. Bills for different things. And I, I, tr- I didn't try it. I didn't try okay. it officially. I just mm-hmm. tried it like, yeah, let's see how it goes. I switched my name on Facebook. I was like, yeah. Right, right. And it just didn't, it didn't fit. It didn't work. That's not who hmm. I am. Hmm. That's amazing. What does your husband think? Is he okay with it all? Oh, he doesn't really um, have a say in anything. So I'm not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. So he's good with that. We'll just chalk it up to that. I run the show. You run the show? Are you drinking? I think I do. Yeah, well, we can think that anyways. Um, are you drinking red or white? I'm actually drinking a white. And yeah. what kind of white are you drinking? I'm drinking a Hester Creek. I actually went to, which is a BC wine. But I went to the mm-hmm. liquor store today and I bought um, the box of Hester Creek, which is usually what we do on the weekend. It's a small box. It's not a big box. And right. uh, and and I did that because last night I put a really nice bottle of white wine in the freezer and I forgot about it and it exploded. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of punishing mm-hmm. myself and having like boxed wine because I just destroyed a $30 bottle of wine last night. <laughs> you, where you live... You have a wealth of amazing wines. Mm-hmm. We just came back from lower BC area in like. Oh, Long so you were around Oliver and stuff. Yeah, we were. We were around Oliver and we went down into Soyuz and went through Kelowna and all our favorite places. And the weather was fantastic and no fires and no, no fires. mosquitoes. And yeah. yeah, it was a great year. So we're very jealous. We brought home a couple cases of wine because. We don't have the luxury here. What were your favorite ones? Um, so many, but we always try to make a trip in Oliver to Silver Sage. Yeah, I love Silver Sage. Oh, me too. Do you know their backstory? Yes. Yeah, it's so sad. I know. And even when I was there, she, of course, is talking about it. And she's like, so amazing, that woman, the the sister-in-law to the man who Mm -hmm. passed away. And yeah, like she can just hold a room like no other. Yeah, she's incredible. She's really good. Such a hard worker too. That was years ago that that he passed away. Well, I think this, the pox of 1991. Yeah. Something like that. Hey, it is a tragedy. I was telling my daughter about it and because 
I don't know. We're just always real with her. So I was telling her about it and she's like, oh my God. And how did he get out, mom? And what happened? And what, you know, what, well, maybe we should just tell the backstory since we're talking about it. Yeah. Would yeah. you like to do that, Valerie? Well, I don't, I, I, I don't know the technical, I, I know he fell in and, and there's certain fumes that, that can kill you. And from my understanding that that's what's, that's what happened, but I don't know exactly what it was. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so they, well, and same as me. So I had no little bit other parts than you. So he definitely fell in. So it was the winemaker at the time. Mm-hmm. And he was going in to test some of the wine and check the, the ceiling of the, the vat. And he had fallen in. And in those days, there wasn't ladders inside the vats as there is today. Mm-hmm. And so he was kind of stuck in there. And then his assistant came to try to retrieve him. And he too died. Oh, I don't remember that part. Yeah. And so they continued on with the winemaking because they're, I mean, they're just surrounded by that wild sage. Yeah. So infusing the wine with the sage and then the story and the sister, the sister-in-law still runs that place. Yeah. Um. Well, she was the wife of the winemaker, and now the yeah. sister-in-law is the one that kind of carries on the the front of it, the the voice of the the winery, right? Yeah, she's often in the front of the house too, right? She's often yeah. in the front of the house, yeah, and she's just so amazing. Yeah. Like, and it would put any winery to shame with the way that she can discuss the wines and what they do, and. No, they're definitely pioneers. When you're when you're down there every year, I mean, there's like dozens of new wineries, and it's amazing that that many more can pop up. But they've they've been there. They were there, I think, when when people didn't give much credibility to the to the wines in in the Okanagan, and then all of a Correct. sudden they just like exploded, and everybody receiving all these awards and. And and really having a niche for for their wines. I mean the Pinot Noirs and and it's just it's really phenomenal. I love going there all the time. My aunt and uncle live in Kaledon, which isn't very far from. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So you've got like a little, <laughs> almost a little pietel that we can go to, and it's got a oh, it's very central to Naramata and um, and Oliver. So it's uh, it's oh I love lovely. the Naramata area as well. Like I love. Yeah. Going and in the Mission there and Hill area, and yeah, yeah, all of it. I guess we're on the same page. Yeah, well, I'm what, drinking. What drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking just a cheap Pinot Blanc from mm, it's California, I think. Yeah, but it's delicious, yeah. and it's been chilled. So, cheers! Yeah, cheers! I had to throw ice cubes in mine because uh, <laughs> I just got the box. <laughs> oh, rats! <laughs> yeah, so you hear a little clink, clink in the background. That's me. Okay, good. So I know you have an amazing career today. Were you always an artist? No. Um, n- yes and no. I'm an only child and uh, my dad's um, a, a retired fighter pilot. So we moved around quite a bit uh, all over Canada and in, in Germany. So when we moved to my parents' final um, they're still in Ottawa. They, we moved to Ottawa, I think in 1986 or 87. I know I'm dating myself, but, um, that was 
that's the last place that that they that they moved to because my dad ended up working in NDHQ. He was working in intelligence, and then I was just by myself a lot of the time. So my mom would like set us up, set me up with uh, with watercolors. And then when I finished high school and I was in the military for a couple of years, and it just really wasn't like I mean I was good at it, but it, it just what did you do in the military? I was actually wow. in the infantry. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you were like a cadet? Is that would be? No, no. I was, I was, in, I was in the militia, combat arms. So, uh, women were allowed in the infantry in 1995, and I joined in 1996. So I was really one of the first ones. So I was like joining a, an old boys club. So and you finished high school and then went into the infantry. Technically, About? I actually went through boot camp while I was in high school, but it took me a long time to finish high school. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so I did grade 15 in high school. It was Ontario. So you could get the OEC right, right. at the time. And yeah. that. like grade 13 was normal. Grade 15, not so much, but I was building up my OECs and, and just uh, in denial about my future. So when I was in the military, um, it was just, it was an old boys club. It became, it's a complicated, long story. It didn't really end well, even though I was quite good at what I did. Um, and then I, I mean, like, honestly, the infantry is, is very redundant. Uh, you get trained for doing section attacks and, and you're, it's, it's just, it's almost like Groundhog Day, but, and, and they gave me such a bad taste in my mouth with the men not wanting women in there that I just decided that I was not Joan of Arc. Yeah, yeah, like you don't have to fight it all the time. No, I mean I'm, I'm right. passionate about it. So right. why would I why would I fight it? So I I decided that um I was gonna start traveling. So I went overseas, I went to Greece. Well, I went to Ireland first and it was too rainy. So then I went to Greece and I spent a long time in Greece. I spent about three years in Greece. I woke up one day on the island of Corfu. I was working in a place called the Pink Palace in Corfu. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge it's one of it's actually the biggest youth hostel in the world. And um and I just I was like, you know what? Like I could I could spend the rest of my life on a Greek island, but I feel like there's more, I can offer the world more than that. And wow, that's pretty reflective. Yeah. I was like, you know, I feel like, so I was like, no, I just don't, I mean, I could do this, but I think there would be something really empty in me. And I knew that I wanted to be successful. And I also knew that I did not want to depend on any man to give me the comforts of life that I wanted. Mm. Uh, So I, I started to think about success and options and the best, my rationale was whatever I'm going to be most successful at is probably whatever I'm best at. (laughs) You You got it. Laid all that out on the table for myself. And I realized that really, I mean, the best thing that I, the thing that I'm best at is, is painting. Um, and that was a long shot because I mean, I was okay, but my parents, of course, are always like, Oh, she's so good. She's so good. So I always kind of say to people that sometimes when you're looking, when you're, when you're trying to like figure out what you want to be in life, sometimes it's like your hand being right in front of your face, blocking your view. And you're look, trying to look around your hand or like, Oh no, maybe it's something over there, over there. Mm-hmm. But like the whole time it's like right there in front of your face. So mm-hmm. I came back, uh, I came back from Greece and I enrolled 
in art school um, in Ottawa, at the Ottawa School of Art. And I spent about a year there. And I just didn't feel that I was getting enough from that. So then I moved to Montreal and I went to art school in Montreal. You must have got enough there because it's... Yeah, I got too yeah, much like intense. There. Yes. Yeah, too much. Sometimes with school, you leave school and you want to like unlearn everything that you just learned because you're all confused. And then, of course, you know, when you're in such a, uh, a metropolitan yeah, artistic mega. community, right. everybody has an opinion on what art is and what you should be doing and what's good and what's not that good. That is so hard. Like you're yeah. so sure about... You know, you go in waves, but you're sure about one direction. And then somebody just says one little thing and you're just second guess everything. Yeah. Should I have done that? Why did I do that way? And maybe I didn't think that through enough. Right. And you kind of like do that spiral of self-doubt or whatever it would be. Part of the reason why I left Montreal, I was just done with it. There were so many reasons why I left Montreal, but that was definitely like a big one. How old's your son? Six. Oh, he's six. My daughter's seven. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so she knows it all too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Like, yeah. To- totally knows it all. How would someone describe you? And when I read through your notes and your website and everything, I saw that British Vogue described you as a fearlessly feminine expressionistic paintings. And then Montreal Gazette described you as interestingly gaudy and exuberantly messy. I thought those were both like yeah, shockingly, colorful, eh? yeah, shockingly wordy and colorful. And like I was just more, I don't know, magnetized towards learning more about you. Like how would they be able to say that about you? And uh, like how intimate did you get to know them for them to be able to come up with this? response or this comment like how would your yeah like the Montreal Gazette I didn't even talk to them they just went to a a show that I had and they wrote an article about my show and and it was um Henry Lehman who wrote it and I remember getting the article and he's pretty cutthroat um so I got the article and I read it and I was like I don't even know if this is a compliment or an insult (laughs) (laughs) well at first I'm like well this person must have been in your studio (laughs) Like to have that kind of a. Yeah, no. And again, this is like before social media. I think that when that happened, I might have had a blog. But I mean, there weren't a lot of people blogging at that time. And that would have been, oh gosh, when would that have been? 2007? I don't think it was five, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. Like Facebook just became a thing. Right. Back then. So, yeah. um, As far as what people would say, well, like my husband's funny because he even said the other day about, because he knows me probably best. um, uh, I'm a real person and I have, I, I, I struggle with filters. So when people meet me, they might not necessarily like me just because I don't really have it's not that they don't like me. I think it's just, I'm just programmed differently. You're very direct, maybe? Like, are you just like, say it as it is? And usually no, it's no at my BS. own expense. You know, I never do anything at anybody else's expense, but I just, my my brain just goes in a, 
I like analogies. So I always, mm. I, I, don't, I, yeah, I, I think the best thing to say is that I, I struggle with filters. I, uh, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, are you more direct or are you more contemplative? Well, I'm, a, I'm an introverted extrovert. So what happens is that like, I'm with you. Studio, I'm totally that person. Are you? Okay. Yeah. So oh when, yeah. When I get out there, when I'm in the world, it's like, I need it. <laughs> right. And it's like, it almost becomes like, uh, I'm, uh, I'm my own stand-up comedic show, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I run that until I'm completely exhausted. And then it's like, oh, God, these people have sucked the life out of me. I know. I just need to to be alone. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm exactly. What's your sign? I'm a Libra. Oh, my God. Are you? No, I'm an Aries. But my the sign that works the best with me are Libras. Oh, really? Yeah. And I can like spot a Libra in the room. So they're either an Aries because we're totally on the same page or we're a Libra because we're totally on the same page. Right. And yeah, I can sit in a room and like laugh and visit with people and I can like pick out their sign. Like a Libra and me, we could, we'll be the ones to like leave at the end of the night. We'll be last. Right. And yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I love Libras. Oh, my dad, Libra, my husband's a Libra. Wow. So you got a lot of them. That's like, yeah, Taurus. Like I'm surrounded by Tauruses. Oh, you are. Oh, my dad, my husband. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. (laughs) So, I mean, they say you pick somebody like your dad, right? But for me, my husband has some common like innuendos, like he's got the same dry sense of humor as my dad, like, Uh, like just compatibility. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Like incredible. Like I could live with any Libra on the face of the earth. I know that because I have these two Libras in my life that are, I could pick them out of a crowd. I know their oh, characteristics. so well. Yeah. So you and I, we would probably be lifelong friends and we could share yeah. a bunk together because yeah, I just, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's like when I go out in public or when I'm working, um, I leave my ego at the door and I'll just, um, not just my ego, but my, uh, my insecurities. Mm. And it always blows my mind because everybody I meet, they say when I, when I express to them how insecure I am about stuff and they just don't even get that because they think that I'm the most confident person, but I'm riddled with insecurities, but I just, it's a, it's just a, a lifetime journey to get past them. And I'm like, I feel like I'm constantly stepping out of my comfort zone. Like even when I just go to the grocery store, I'm like stepping mm. out of my comfort zone and, and, and I've had enough life experience, like just even going through boot camp to know that, you know, tough times don't last, but tough people do. And, and there's a lot of things that could just freeze me and make me anxious. But I know that that's, it's, they're just life experiences. And, you know, like I'm so on your page and raising these young people yeah. and they have tough days or a tough teacher or, you know, somebody's not kind to them. And we have enough, like you have way more life experience traveling the world than I do for sure. But I 
in my career, I work in construction. Mm. So I'm sitting around a table of men all the Mm. time who know better Mm. or think they do Mm -hmm. or may have more experience in X than I do. Mm -hmm. But I can sit at that table because I know I'm supposed to be there. Yeah. And I'm the expert in my area. And I always say to London, I said, like, that's my daughter's name. So Mm. I say to her, you know, you're going to have tough people in your life all the time. Mm -hmm. Just make sure that you are, you don't have to be nice to them, but you can't be rude. You don't have to be kind, but you don't get to be rude. And you're just going to put that in your back pocket and you're going to learn from that because it's not going to be your first run in with a unkind person or a not nice guy. Yeah. Right. And like you said, tough things end, but tough people, they are going to be there. That's what's going to build you. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, that's neat. Well, you know all too well about being in a male dominated industry. (laughs) Gosh. It's you know, so it the, can the be art very world is hard. It's amazing the art world because you would think that the art world wouldn't be, but you know, like I've been through the military. I was the only woman in my in my unit that well, I was really the only woman in my unit. Mm-hmm. And when we would like be divided up into sections, and and it just some group would get stuck with you, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I was yeah, better. And you know, I was better than a lot of these guys that were that I was training with. And when, when you're going through through boot camp, you you see people dropping like flies. I mean, you, people just can't yeah. handle it. They hmm. like you have to have a sense of humor. Like you just you can't take it seriously because it's it's a joke. I mean, the way what they do, how they yell at you, what they make you do. If you, if you don't laugh about it, you're you're not going to survive. And 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 I'm programmed that way. That that. I, I like to see the funny and stuff because I appreciate, I really appreciate humor. I think humor is so creative. And, and then I ended up at the, at, at the end of it and I was still standing and some of the older ranks started to appreciate my skill. Cause I was a really good shot mm-hmm. and it just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't enough for them. But you know, in the art world, in the military, it's different because they can yell at you, and that's just part of the military. <laughs> right. You know, it's like being that's like construction. <laughs> yeah, they just construction. Yell. They get to yell at you, and I, I mean, I can take that on on the in the in the art world. In the it's site. not like that. There's so many levels of of um, of diplomacy and 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 la politesse, and and then you know with all these layers of 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 uh filtering yeah filtering and 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 yeah it's and and they kind of look down on people too but anyhow the the, what's interesting what's happening now there are some women who are starting to be leaders in the art world but you know like when i teach workshops and stuff Mm -hmm. um i'll have uh, 17 women sign up and maybe one man. And that's pretty consistent for like most of the art world. Um, most, most women, I mean, you look at Instagram, most women, most artists on Instagram are women, but, and, and there's such a small percentage of artists that are men, but the men succeed right away. (laughs) 
Yeah, that might be another conversation for a different day. Because I, yeah, being in construction, you, you know, you got to kind of follow the lead too. you got to kind of, you know, make your way in there and not ruffle too many feathers. But on the other side, it's just you in the end. Yeah. So you have to stand up for yourself or prove a point or shut somebody down, whatever, right? But I think it's interesting that in these two completely different worlds, being women, we feel the same thing Mm -hmm. going through it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just the path that that we've taken in life to be able to reflect on that. Because yeah, I talked to other taking the easy route either. I mean, yeah, he's never been easy. Way, so right, I'm not going to go the easy way. I like for some reason to have obstacles in my way, and I like to overcome them. So, um. well, they say do something difficult every day, mm-hmm. right? Something uncomfortable or something difficult every day to build your character. Eventually, mm-hmm. it gets easier, and mm-hmm. then you move on to something else that's difficult. So, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love having I love having men in my classes. They just provide such a a, a different energy and um, well, we need them. Such a nice presence. They're so important in the world. Yeah, I mean, we need the balance. We need the dynamic. We need the challenge. We need the purpose. We need right from them. They provide so much depth and added. Or yeah. they can provide, I should say. Yeah, and not all of them provide. The of the class. If I have a class, it's all women. It it, it 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 it's different than if I have a class with with a man or two. But it would, yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> I like that though. Mm-hmm. Are you settled now in Pemberton? Are you? Yeah, you know, I think I've moved around so much in my life that I don't even want to move houses. Like I'm going to stay in Pemberton forever and I don't even want to move houses, even though there's so much bloody construction going around my house right now, because Pemberton, the forecast is that Pemberton is going to triple in size in the next 10 to 15 years. And I see it happening right now. So there's builds going in my backyard right now, like even Mm. my studio and, and, uh, and, and it's really annoying and it's loud and it never ends. And it's like 360 degrees around my house. However, I don't plan on leaving. I have, you know, this is my forever home. Mm. Um, I can walk to town. My, my son is in French school here. Um, he, we, my husband can get to work within three minutes. So we're, we're good. Like this is, this is a good place for us to be. And mm-hmm. it's such a fascinating, fascinating town too, because it's a, it's a, it's a farming valley. So we've got horses that like walk in front of the house multiple times a day. Oh, wow. Neat. Yeah. And then I'm looking down in the valley and the valley is just all farmland. And, and so we like Pemberton is the potato seed capital of Canada. <laughs> What the hell? I never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. So you, you like your Lay's potato chips? You're welcome. <laughs> Wait, what? So yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. Pemberton, what? <laughs> Pemberton. No, it's crazy. Like our town mascot is a potato. Oh, He's my giant word. potato wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. And, uh, oh, it's yeah. got some Western on it? Because that's where <laughs> I live. I live in Cowtown. They call it Calgary. Yeah. And it's all Western. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's very Western. I mean, Pemberton is sort of like the last frontier into the interior <laughs> and they actually designed the town. Like it really does look like the last frontier town, like all oh the architecture. Oh, really? The town looks like that. Yeah. So you look like you're, that's it. And then the next stop is Lillooet and Lillooet is like their, their, their sign outside of Lillooet is Lillooet guaranteed rugged. And you drive through Lillooet, you're like, Jesus Christ, this place really is rugged. <laughs> <It's> scary. <laughs> Give me your, um, so give me your area. Like how close are you to Kelowna or Vancouver or like I'm I know, two and a half to- hours from Vancouver. So I'm just 30 minutes North of Whistler. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes. Okay. Got you. Yeah. So most people who live in Pemberton work in Whistler. And a lot of people say that Pemberton is where Whistler kids decided to grow up and have babies. Oh, hilarious. There are actually more babies per capita here, I think, than any other place in Canada. Really? According to my dad's statistics. And he's got pretty good statistics because he's got he, pretty he used good to be <laughs> intelligence. So. Right, right. Yeah. He's got a little bit of a background. Yeah. In and and you, you drive through town, and all you see are mommies pushing babies and dogs. And of course. It's, it's crazy. Like, and, and we're surrounded by beautiful mountains and. Uh, you can get to the you can get to the interior either through Vancouver or you go up north uh, northwest through Lillooet, and that's really pretty too. That's usually what we do. It saves you about an hour or two. Hmm. But if you were go- if you were to go to Oliver, you probably want to go to Vancouver. I'm not really too sure. I always go through Lillooet, but Lillooet's crazy because you, you, it's it's uh, the Fraser Canyon. So right, I was gonna. It, it's very yeah, Fraser Valley in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and some of these roads are extremely precarious uh, to the point that the roads get washed away a few times a year. Um, so it's just uh, a well, dirt that road fun. with one way traffic. And the last time we drove through, my parents were here and we were all in one car. And my dad's like from BC. So he thinks mm-hmm. that he knows everything about BC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, and being a fighter pilot, he thinks he, he, he knows everything about navigating and everything. So we're right, following right. this like big rig going back to Pemberton and, we, and we're <laughs> like going along this little, this little dirt road that had just been washed away. And then the Fraser is like a few hundred feet just straight down. So, but he, so he's got the stop sign and he's stopping every vehicle. So it's one vehicle at a time. And my dad's like, Oh, the safest place to be is right behind this big rig. You know, that's, that's, that's where you want to be. And the guy stops us, the rig goes and he goes, yeah, you want to stay here because if he goes down, you're going with him. (laughs) Oh my word. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so BC. Like BC is so rugged well it's and it's just so like we always notice as soon as we get into bc the trees and the and the brush is super close to the highway like it's like right there whereas yeah. when in alberta it's like cut away like if you had to drive off the road into the ditch you'd be fine like you wouldn't and be in a so forest. many microorganisms <laughs> yeah microclimates like, like yeah, because you can go in south, south, southern BC into like a Soyuz area where it's just like nothing but rock and cactus. Yeah. And yeah, we like we love it in BC. We're yeah. Alberta babies, though. Like both of us were born, born and mostly raised in Alberta. But we try to make it out to BC at least once a year. Stock up on our silver sage. Not gonna <laughs> lie. It's, like more yeah. it's quite something. It's really... Um, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back. I, I just, I, I don't even, 
I can't even imagine going back to uh, a winter that would be minus 40. Like it gets to minus 10 and I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's cold. (laughs) I used to live in Montreal. Well, is it humid there or? It's not humid. Yeah. No, not normally. This year it's been a funny year though. This year hasn't been super hot. Like today was about 30 degrees, but normally Pemberton can be easily 40 in the summer. Wow. And we, we haven't really hit that. Um, so okay, it's well, we hot have, and dry. And now we have good. not been hot here at all. Like we've, yeah, you guys we had like right? one thirty degree day yesterday mm-hmm. and we've hit like a couple of like 25s. We don't get to 40, but we should get to like 25, 28. Like summer. Yeah, like a really nice, but we've had so much rain. Like I do a vegetable garden. My garden is like terrible this year. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we've not had like a nice long weekend full of sun at all yet. Like at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's been until a, we came to BC. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, you for it's, your been, beautiful... it's been very comfortable. It was such a nice break, and it just seems like the last five years, it's just been so bloody hot, and then smoky, smoky. Yeah. Oh, the forest fires, like just horrific for you guys, and yeah, like the weird. mosquitoes were like so brutal. We're okay for mosquitoes. I'm this year people. we had nothing. We had like no mosquitoes. Like our whole camping season, we had nothing. Yeah. It was amazing, yeah. So, uh, would you say you are a shopper or are you frugal? Are you a spender or are you not? Hmm. And you can talk about like spending on crafts as a separate entity in itself. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm clothing. I mean, yeah. So we have like we have two, two three stores in town. So we have a general store, we have the hardware store, and then we have the drug store. And then after that, we have like the liquor store and the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So we really don't have a lot of stores. So I can drive to Squamish and go to Walmart and get like whatever I want, which I don't really do because I'd prefer to support local. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I have been a bit of an Amazon shopper for things that I would otherwise have to drive to Vancouver for. Right. Um, and then a few times a year I will drive to Vancouver or when I go to Montreal, then I'll, I'll, I'll buy a bunch of stuff. Which is an absolute megaplex for shopping, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't say, I mean, when I, if, if I was to live in a metropolitan city, that might be different because when I did live in Montreal, even though I lived in the ghetto and I was a bartender living paycheck to paycheck, I would always find enough money to go to H&M and buy something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like, yeah, it was like um, earmarked or whatever, right? Yeah. But now, now, you know, even last week when we were in Vancouver and we were staying at the Sylvia Hotel, mm-hmm. and the Sylvia is an amazing hotel that's right on the beach, English Bay. You're sort of looking out towards uh, West Vancouver, and all you see are all those giant, uh, what do you call them, the big boats that carry all the sea containers? Yeah. Yeah, like the barges or whatever. The the barges. The Mm -hmm. room is just littered with these barges. And you're like, oh my God, that's just full of crap. Like, Mm -hmm. so we're like plastic. We're trying to 
by we're buying differently we're buying good quality uh more local less um less yeah. and uh um even even like my shopping baskets have changed like i used to just go to the store and use the shopping bags or maybe one of those reusable bags mm-hmm. but we have this really cool uh grocery store in whistler that's called nesters that has a lot oh of- i know it Oh, you know, Nesters. Yeah. I so do, they've yeah. got a lot of these uh, free trade um, wicker shopping baskets and they're 50 to 60 bucks each and they're beautiful and they hold a lot of stuff. Like they're not going to, they're not going to fall apart or anything. And you just walk around with them and you just feel so good and they're beautiful. Mm. So they've become part of my arm now when I go out <laughs> and I just fill it with groceries or I'll go out in my garden and fill it up with potatoes or, you know, like it's just become an extension of me. So a lot of things are kind of shift, shifting in, in, in how I perceive shopping. Mm-hmm. So we moved about five years ago and we got rid of all the stuff that we had that we didn't want to move. And, you know, there's so much of it that you bought because, you wanted it at the time or maybe you needed it. Like, I don't even know now. It's been so long. But when we moved, we decided that we made a kind of a pact. If we didn't need it, we didn't buy it. Yeah. And we've just not amounted anything in so many years now. And it felt so good to not buy shit that you just don't need. Like, you just don't need it. Like, why? So I'm trying to train my daughter too. like, well, I don't think you really need that. You already have one of those or let's not buy that today or, you know, let's just choose something different that maybe you'd like better, right? Like we don't just have to be so compulsive. And you're a you're consumer. A city, so it's probably a lot harder. It is, but I'm not a shopper at all. Okay. So even when I go and I will like do like a, a decent shop, maybe like once a year for clothing, I'll go to a reused, like a secondhand store consignment mm-hmm. and I'll buy, you know, my suits or whatever I need for work or casual yeah, or whatever. Really great stuff. Even at the one in Pemberton. Actually, we do have a secondhand store in Pemberton and I have found some really nice stuff. One coat that every time I leave the house, everybody compliments me on. I have a coat yeah. like that too. And it was like 26, <laughs> yeah, 26 bucks. And I like worn it every day since I bought it. Yeah, And I even like, same as my daughter, I buy her all her clothes secondhand. She just has no idea yet yeah, well, yet good. that it's not cool or maybe potentially it will be like just the normal. I think it will. Day. It has to, because there's, there's a, I would like to think there's a paradigm shift happening in the world, um, especially with the younger generation and with everything that's happening politically and environmentally that, you know, like there's a sense of urgency that's happening with a lot of people right now. And that's such an easy solution. Not, not a solution. It's an easy option. Yeah. Yeah, It's an easy option. It's an easy decision. It's my husband. However, he is not on that page. He'll buy, no, we're not the same when it comes to that. He will buy and he will discard or throw out instead of recycle. Like he's just not, like we are just not the same people when it comes to that at all. I am a bit of a sucker for fashion though. I mean, that's that's a big issue for me that that I've had to An issue? Well, it's just, I grew up and my mom 
worked in fashion mm. and my dad's sisters worked in fashion. So it was influenced. Um, so it was, was in you. I was, well, and I didn't really buy anything. I was just used to getting samples all the time. So I was mm. used to like the steady flow of like new cool stuff that I would get. So wow, cool. And when I lived in Montreal, <laughs> I know. Well, Montreal is like mega fashion. Like yeah. I remember I worked with this guy and he said like, you would never ever go out in this like his outfit <laughs> it was like in a t-shirt and jeans yeah I'm like he says no you always dress up to go out like it's yeah you're just it's, I've never been so I can only go by his word but it's, it's very different I, I moved away about 10 years ago so I mm-hmm. I don't know what it's like now but I know where my life is now and when I moved from Montreal to Pemberton and I'm going through my closet I'm going what am I going to do with all these pencil skirts and like stilettos? Like, this is ridiculous. I live in a town that's like surrounded by horses and farmers and flip ons, sled necks. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like just so. And my, my mom said last time she was here, she goes, I think I finally figured it out. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what's that? She goes, you can wear, you can wear pretty clothes in Pemberton. You can wear dresses and stuff. But you just can't brush your hair. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you might you might be right, actually, because that's exactly what I do. When I do wear a pretty dress, I won't brush my hair. It just looks like a hot mess. And that seems right. to be okay. But if you do your hair and you wear a pretty dress, people look at you like, where are you going? Right. <laughs> All dressed up and nowhere to go. Like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, we know there's not a lot of places for you to be visiting here. <laughs> Yeah. And right. we notice people who are not from Pemberton because they're dressed a certain way and we're like, oh, you're from this city. <laughs> oh God, you're that's... you're a hipster and you're way too coiffed. Like the guys around here have beards and plaid shirts, but there is not a plan. <laughs> it's just what they wear to work and they probably haven't shaved in about three weeks. <laughs> oh, hilarious. They're not trimming their beards. <laughs> so lots of plaid then, Valerie? Yeah. Yeah. I like a good plaid shirt once in a while. Um, I don't have that much plaid myself. I'm more into like cutoffs and, um, you know, just jean shorts and jeans and, uh, and cute tops and, you know, flip flops. And then in the winter, it's more just jeans and, and rubber boots and put a cute shirt on and everything's okay. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you're just set, right? It's kind of yeah. like your outfit. Yeah. Also, follow her on Instagram. You won't be disappointed. She shares stories, her amazing works of art, her cat, Jim. She's always providing commentary and life lessons, reflective comments, and oh yeah, like a ton of humor. She's hilarious. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook group, Valerie's Variety Pod. Instagram, I'm at Valerie J. Moss. You can follow me on my website at ValerieMoss.ca. Email or text me also to my email address, Valerie at ValerieMoss.ca. And share your goals for 2020 with me. I also have new show music, which I love. It's called Girl, and it's by Text Me Records, Leviathan. Intro is recorded by London Moss, and the cover art in production is by me, Valerie Moss. 
Thanks for listening. Eat, read, Visit ValerieButters.com for more information.